Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Tokyo Table Talk. This is our inaugural episode. Woo-hoo. Number one. Tokyo Table Talk is a podcast that we are going to be doing every week where we'll talk about things that are related to D&D both uh, tangentially and directly. Mm-hmm. We'll be talking about things that have happened in our own campaign at Tokyo Table Top plus other topics that are relevant to the community. So let's start out with a quick introduction. My name is Vincent Pritchard. I am 29 years old. I'm a school teacher. And I play Atlas, the human bard in Tokyo Tabletop. Mm-hmm. I've been doing tabletop role-playing games since I was in sixth grade. I am DM Mike. You've probably seen me on camera if you've seen any of our campaign. I am 30 years old and a programmer here in Tokyo. Uh, I've been playing uh, tabletop RPGs since AD&D. Uh, done a whole bunch of systems, a whole bunch of games, and currently a Forever DM. Mike has been just a beast putting this thing together. It's insane. It's been fun, but that, that's part of the job of the DM, is to have fun. But that, that brings up a, a very interesting question. What is fun? What makes a D&D campaign enjoyable? And that's what we're going to talk about on this first episode. So... Let's start off by talking a little bit about why our current campaign is fun for each of us. Like me as a player, you as the GM. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why Why? what we're doing right now is enough for us to continue doing it for 9, 10 months. Mm-hmm. I think the, the first point that you know a campaign is going well is that it is the end of the night. You've been playing for four or five hours. The drinks are gone. The food is gone. And you're still hanging around afterwards. You're still oh, yeah. sitting around. You're, you're regaling tales that just happened. Hearing different opinions, hearing what you wanted to do, what you could have done. The wild speculation on things that could possibly have happened. Yeah. You know you're on the right track when that happens. Oh, yeah. And that still happens, like, every week, even every week. now. Every week. Like, we end our, our broadcasts at the four and a half hour mark or yeah. so. And then we end up just hanging around and eating food and talking about the things that have mm-hmm. happened for another two, three hours mm-hmm. at least. Mm-hmm. At least, at least. And, like, you, you can definitely tell that the players are having a good time when they start to, like, forget about things that are outside the game. Like, when we... For instance, recently we had an instance where there was a big monster fight and it was killing all of our players. Mm-hmm. And... The priest in our campaign, Ezrith, had this this contract that had been given to her from a devil. It was in her pocket and she hadn't signed it. Everything was going poorly and, like, she pulled the contract out and she goes, I'm gonna sign the thing. And everyone at the table was like, no, you can't, you can't sign the thing. Think about what will happen to Ezrith. Mm-hmm. Think about, and, mm-hmm. like, it was, like, a really high tension, like, everyone was really invested in the decision that she had made with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool because like it really shows that the people are getting into the characters, into the game, into the world that surrounds them. And not just like, oh, you're signing the thing, I wonder what magic you'll get. Right, right, right. It, when players are invested in the characters so much that they actually think about this imaginary character in my mind, what is going to happen to them if I sign this piece of paper. And that is where the fun is uh, behind the screen is seeing players that involved in the world that they are really thinking about the consequences consequences of their actions. That That is the rewarding bit. That is the fun part. Oh, definitely. Well, and like, even I as a player, uh, I, I'm playing a bard, so of course I'm playing a bard. 
but it gives me the opportunity to look at situations from a, a standpoint that I, as a human, don't normally get to. Mm-hmm. But Atlas <laughs> can look at a situation and be like, well, this is something that Atlas would do. Mm-hmm. And that gives, I mean, that's the whole reason that people role play in the first place, is right. to give them the opportunities to experience situations and, and circumstances that they wouldn't in their normal lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the like biggest factors that makes something like this fun, Right. is to be able to have those experiences and not have them directly impact your real life. Right, right, right. So you bring up that these experiences and these choices you have to make with Atlas. What's one choice that has stuck with you? Oh man. <laughs> Just recently, for instance, we had we had met this gentleman, a kobold by the name of Girls Like the Magnificent, <laughs> in like a wizard tower, and mm-hmm. we took pity on him and didn't murdelate his face, uh, and we let him go. And then we ran into him like in oh, in, in world like months, months later, later in yeah, game yeah. like two weeks or something yeah, yeah. later, and he'd like amassed this this group of go- of uh, kobolds in the forest, yeah. and he was trying to like rule over them like a king. And he needed our help to get rid of the beast of the forest that mm-hmm. was, like, oppressing them and all that. And so we, having interacted with him before, were like, yeah, Girls Like is cool, right? I guess. So we went out and we did this thing. We met that there was a minotaur living in the forest. Mm-hmm. And so we killed him because, you know, he threw because magic at us. D&D party. Yeah. I, hey, listen, okay? <laughs> I wasn't the one that threw a rock directly at its invisible face. Mm. That wasn't me. He started it from Atlas's perspective. Atlas sure as hell finished it. Well, so the fight went on, and we killed the main one, and we went into the cave where we found, like, a pregnant female minotaur that was definitely this thing's mate. And everyone was, like, talking and sitting around and simpering about, like, well, what do we do with it? And so um, Atlas and his his sort of, like, fey temperament Mm -hmm. got bored waiting for everyone to make a decision, and so he did it himself by a uh, shot to the head executing this magically asleep pregnant minotaur. Yeah. And in doing so, that uh, has caused a lot of problems for our party. Yeah, yeah. Alice doesn't regret it. Like, it caused a, a schism within the party when the druid found out what had actually happened and yeah. all that. It caused, uh, we now have a, like a twelfth of a party member and that we have to carry right. around this baby minotaur because yeah. no one else will just let it go somewhere. And I mean, like, yeah, obviously, oh, it's a baby. You can't just leave it somewhere. It's a minotaur. <laughs> what am I going to do with a minotaur? What are you going to do with a minotaur? But we're still carting this thing around. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that, that was a choice that your character made. Yeah. That to execute this uh, this asleep pregnant minotaur. Oh yeah. And now the party's been dealing with those choices. Yeah. But the the thing about it is this comes up week after week carrying this child around, mm-hmm. and it has been a, a a bullet point in every session so far. Oh yeah. That what are we doing with this baby? What are we going to care? Like, who's carrying it? How are we going to care for it? Right. Like it's a main thing that we have to deal with now. Yeah. It's like a permanent modifier on the party. Yeah. 
And the fact that the choices that you make actually make a difference to the world that you're in mm -hmm. is really important. Because mm -hmm. there are a lot of campaigns that it's like, okay, well, there's the, the wizard's tower is at the end of this town, and they all don't want you to go kill the wizard. So they stomp into the town, and they kill a bunch of people, and they walk up to the... And then, like, there's no repercussions for having killed a bunch mm -hmm. of townsfolk. Mm -hmm. But in the world that you, DM Mike, have put together for us, everything's got its consequences. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Everything's got, like, a really deep reason behind it. And, like, if we do something, it definitely comes back later. Mm -hmm. Like, even just last session, the yeah. very first time that I, as Vincent, sat with Atlas the Bard at the table, right. he interacted briefly with a gentleman mm -hmm. uh, where he, the, a hellhound showed up in his shop so he dove in and like tried to help the guy and let him not get killed or whatever. Mm -hmm. Seven character levels later, right? We showed nine back months up. in real life time. Yeah. yeah, we showed back up at that town, and this guy was like, "You're not going to find a place to stay, but you there, you in the fancy hat, you did me right once. I'll mm -hmm. take care of you." And Atlas, who has just recently been resurrected, was like, "Sorry, I don't know who you are, but thank you." So we ended up going out and hanging out with this guy, and it turns out that that is the guy that Atlas saved mm -hmm. in the shop months ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everything has, like, this this butterfly effect mm -hmm. to it, mm -hmm. and you don't get that with a lot of GMs. So, like, I'm really enjoying this one because it all has consequences. Mm -hmm. So is that is that where the core fun comes from is those consequences yeah i think like being someone who tells stories myself someone mm. who's written stories and things like that before seeing something that happened you know a hundred pages ago in a book suddenly have meaning again is really cool it's really important and for that sort of thing to happen in a world that like i'm actually experiencing things that i can live in makes it so much stronger of an experience mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because like like I said before if it doesn't have you know like oh you you killed the goblins now everything is fine or whatever right. and then later on there's just more goblins or whatever mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's just boring mm -hmm. but for the world to be alive around me I think is where the fun comes from there and right. I think that you've done just like a fantastic job of making sure that the world that we are playing in is as alive as it is mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a it's a, a balancing game, absolutely. That that is what's fun for Vincent. Mm -hmm. That Atlas can interact with the world and feel those repercussions down the line. But when I look at other players at the table, Dragor, Dragor, uh, Dragor, and Kim, actually both of them, that when given choice, they're not too sure how to act. Right. And th those are two players that definitely. Um, jive better with a more straightforward experience. Definitely. But at the end of the day, they're still having fun. Oh, yeah. Well, and like, that's that's the delicate balance that you as a GM have to put together as mm -hmm. well, is like, what do I do to make sure that everyone at the table has a thing? Right. And right. that everyone at the table has a, a, an experience that makes it worth having come to the table this mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think a lot of, of like, early and beginning GMs have problems with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's always the the question of like, oh well, wh what would you have wanted as a beginner GM? Like, what resources right, would you right, want? Right, right. And everyone is like, oh well, maybe like some published material on how to be a GM or something like that. But I think really what it is is time, time and effort. If you're gonna mm -hmm. be a GM, you really have to look at the characters that you've got, 
look at the players behind those faces, yeah. and you yeah. have to like tailor the situation such that they will have fun. Yes, and that's not to say like you have to tailor the adventure to their characters. You have to tailor the experience at the table to the players. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's never one size fits all. You're going to have active players. You're going to have inactive players. Atlas, Veta, and even Corey are more active players. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other three, Dragor, Ezrith, and then Bahasid, they are the more inactive players. And a lot of times what you can find is if you give the active players enough, they will find they will find things to do enough so that the inactive players will be able to come along. Definitely. That it's more that the active players will start a fire and the inactive players will have to put, have it, to out. put it out. Yeah, I mean, and, and I've noticed that, like, last session, for instance, mm-hmm. we didn't have any combat. Right. There was no combat in that one. There was threats of combat. There was some serious threats of combat. There was a, are you sure you want to do this combat. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when you try to knife a dragon in the back and it doesn't work, then you it go, It doesn't okay. hit on the 21. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, there's, there's something there, so. Even with no combat, Atlas is fine. Mm-hmm. But I feel like without some dice rolling, without some yeah. some mechanic crunching, yeah. Yeah. some players might get lost. Yeah, definitely, definitely. At our table, I think everyone is, is well-rounded enough to stay interested, mm. but I definitely think that without the kind of thing that, for instance, Dragor, the half-orc barbarian with a magic weapon that eats other magic weapons, right. can really sink his teeth into... He will fade into the background for that session. Yes. You really have to look at what your players want. Mm -hmm. Because at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, yeah, you're the GM, you run the world, you're God and everything. But it is what you do that gives the other players the ability to have fun. Right, right. Ideally, you should try to, when planning out a session, have a piece of spotlight for each character. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely not possible every time especially when you will plan okay this is clearly a spot for Dragor but then Atlas actually solves the problem before Dragor can even act that does happen and you want to try to see I have all these different players what do they like what are their their abilities what are their play styles how can I appeal to each one of them in every session so that they leave and they they leave the table with a memory, with a, hey, that was, I did a really cool thing. I helped the party, I helped this NPC, I progressed the story. Mm-hmm. I got an item, I killed a goblin. It's something that they can take away every week. Yeah. And that's not always possible, but that should be your goal. And if you don't find that rewarding, if that is not, if you sit down as a DM and you are looking at it, well, how can I kill the party this week? You may want to try sitting on the other side of the screen. I mean, there are games that are for that. Dungeons there are. and Dragons there is are. not a DM versus player No, it is game. not. It is not. But if you want that, there are plenty of other tabletop role-playing games out there mm-hmm. that are fine for, like, okay, I'm the GM, I'm the game master, and it's yeah. my job to kill the people at my table. And if they can defeat all the stuff that I throw, then they win. Right, right. But with D&D, mm. there isn't really a win-lose. There's not. I mean, you can argue that a TPK would be a lose, but I have seen so many parties like a Phoenix rise above that the main party wipes, and now they play the NPCs. Mm-hmm. And, and right. like, I really like the idea of the main party not always winning. Yeah. 
because that's like a really it's it's a stereotype it's a trope mm-hmm. that we've mm-hmm. gone through so many times in fantasy literature and the kind of stories that we'd be telling in Dungeons and Dragons you know the players get their magic sword and they go in and then they fight the things and then they save the princess the end right 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 but that's boring we've seen that a hundred mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. now and like in the world that we're living in right now we thought that we were doing good things sometimes they turned mm-hmm. out to be pretty bad yeah having a flaw to the main characters is probably the most important part of the writing of a story mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but giving the players the ability to have flaws mm-hmm. is I think what makes a good GM because mm. like you know you, you can you can sit at the other side of the table and be like alright I've got a fighter he'll be good at killing these guys I've yeah. got a rogue he will pick this lock right. I've got a etc etc and like that's great because you're utilizing their characters or whatever and all that but like all that you're doing is you're setting up mechanics for their mechanics to knock down right it's a role playing game right it's not a mechanics balance game mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there was a, a post on on reddit a player in his campaign had a, a clever way to defeat a Medusa mm-hmm. and came up with this plan to create essentially a mirror shield even though there was some resistance from the DM checks were made they were passed and this player goes equipped with a mirror shield and then during the medusa fight the medusa never looks at the player but still makes swings towards the player Mm. and it's just so obvious and then after a while the medusa just shatters the shield yeah that's salty dm syndrome well the player asked the dm what the hell that was meta of the dm and the dm's response was I'm tired of losing every week. Yeah, that salty DM syndrome like right. nobody's business. Right, right. That's not the way to approach the game. It's not, it's not. But I think with that is, I think there is some, maybe some old school thought into that, where when you were running Tome of Hearts, that is DM versus players. There is <laughs> some old school thought out there that you are up against monsters, you are up against the DM, the DM is trying to kill the players. Yeah. Well. And that is absolutely a play style. And that is the whole point of, of today's talk, is that could be fun in the right setting. Right. But you have to set that up beforehand. Right, right, right. There's the difference, I think. A yeah. lot of, a lot of like, new games will start up, and it'll be like, you know, all right, we've got four players in a GM. We're going to sit at this table. You guys make your characters. Right. Cool. I'm going to murder them. Right, 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 right. And... If you tell them beforehand, like, you're making characters specifically to try to get through all the challenges that I'm going to throw at you, Mm -hmm. if you die, that's your fault, Mm -hmm. then that's okay. But if it's like, all right, make characters have these cool backstories, get invested in them, do sketches or whatever, and then have them die in the first couple rooms, that's salty. Mm -hmm. That, Mm -hmm. that evokes the kind of response that you don't really want from your players, that you don't yep. want from your GM, and everyone goes home having not had a good time. Right. Misaligned expectations. Mm-hmm. Communicate first. Absolutely. Absolutely. Session zero is the most important session of your game. It's a session that most skip. That most don't even understand what an actual session zero is. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually you missed the official session zero. I did. You joined, I believe, one game after we started. The players in this current campaign, we were friends before we started. Right. But we actually met in a real life tavern. <laughs> yeah, we went to a hub. That's awesome. <laughs> we got a couple of drinks and we sat down and I had some overview of the campaign and I made very clear what the expectations were going into this. This is an evolving world that you're going to be a part of. There is an overarching storyline should you choose to follow it. 
and your actions are your own. That is the campaign. Now, let me hear from you guys. What characters do you want to play? Mm-hmm. And I think that is the crucial part that gets missed out a lot, is as much information as you're giving, you need to ask as many questions from your players. At least, yeah. At least. What are you getting out of this? Uh, I had one campaign that um, I was trying to get, get off the ground. There was a lot of intrigue, a lot of talk first, combat third, after right, we've right. exhausted all options. And one of the potential players is asking what they get out of the campaign and they were the murder hobo. Kill, 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 loot, loot, loot. And whenever we would try to ask, I'd ask other players, uh, I'd go to the next player, oh, tell me about a memorable experience. And he would talk about a fight that he had with a Bodak. And then immediately that first player would be, oh, I killed four of them. And he's like, oof. Yeah. Okay, so this is this is session zero, and we are not lining up. Mm-hmm. And you gotta you gotta nip that in the bud right away and say we are looking for different things. Yeah. You're looking for a kick down the door dungeon crawl, and and that is fun. Uh, that is absolutely a way to play. That is a way that we actually we did a session of those. And, oh man. And it was it was enjoyable to not have to worry about overarching plots. To right. just we're in. We kicked open the door. What's in this room? Let's figure it out. Next room. Right. And like, you know, because I, I, as a person, like to play the bard type characters. I mm-hmm. like to play the ones that solve problems. But going into that one, I was like, all right, we're rolling a half-orc paladin. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. not been a big smashy guy in a very long time. But for instance, for someone who's coming into an already existing campaign, yeah. like I did, or yeah. like him and him Matt, and Matt did, yeah. like Even everyone Megan did, and Jason. Yeah, literally right. everyone at the and table Laura, that's actually, right now, right. Nobody at the table is the original party. That's right. That's correct. I'm the hmm. oldest one at the party, and I wasn't even the original one. Yeah. The original party for whom all of this stuff had been written mm-hmm. is gone. So that's an interesting point, is what happens, and this is, life gets in the way, especially being an expat here mm-hmm. in in Japan. You learn very quickly that your friends will come and go. Oh, yeah. And you have to deal with this. Players being here one week and then maybe they miss a session, they miss two, miss three, and then they just stop showing up. Right. So how do you deal with that revolving door of players when you already have an established campaign? That's true. So I've actually, back when I was in college, when I was the Forever GM, Mm -hmm. uh, I had a Pokemon RPG. Thanks to it being in college and people having exams and having to go home for a break and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. The idea that you would have the same people at the table every day was almost unthinkable. Mm-hmm. And to deal with that, you have to implement like in-world meta mechanics that make it such that having new people interacting with your quest isn't a weird thing. Yeah. yeah. So like for for that one, it was, well, you guys are all you all just recently graduated from Pokemon College. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you get to, you have your Pokemon trainer's license, and you get to go and, like, join the Pokemon Rangers or Team Rocket if you're that one girl. So there were all these different organizations that were, that had ties with the party. So, like, mm-hmm. when the kid who was the Pokemon Ranger had to leave, mm-hmm. it was because he got called away to do something to help save the Pokemon in right. the environment nearby or something right, like that, right, right. and would come back later. Mm-hmm. When the Team Rocket girl had to leave, it was because she decided that she needed to, like, steal some Pokemon from the Pokemon Center nearby or something like that. So having easy ins and outs for players Mm -hmm. is really important when you know that you're going to have a group that doesn't last in its current 
iteration for long. Right, right. For us, in this campaign, we've got mm-hmm. the, the main character curse. Yes. When characters, when players are not present, they turn into a wooden idol. Poof, and now they're a wooden idol. Now now someone actually needs to carry that idol. Damage comes to that idol, then that actually transfers to the character. Right. So you have to leave your, your character in the care of someone who is trustworthy. Ha ha ha, trustworthy in yeah. a party like this one. Ha ha ha. <laughs> one of the things that I, I am against is having the DM control PCs. Ugh. I do not agree with that at all. I, I'm not even a big fan of having NPCs follow the party. Because yeah. it, it is the player's game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the DM sets the world, sets the backdrop. But it is the players who must interact with everything. They must make the choices. What I feel is just a, a sin as a DM to play a character's character. Oh, yeah. Uh, that one, <clears throat> I won't do that. So that's why you turn into an idol. Other ideas I've seen is kind of a like a hub world where everybody has a stone and they can return to a castle, a fort, a mansion, somewhere where they can call home. You sit down with your players ahead of time and say... You can only use this out of game. This is just a mechanic to remove your characters from the party when they don't show up. The Hearthstone. The Hearthstone. Right, right, right. Uh, You have to be very, very clear if you're going to use a mechanic like that. uh, As soon as the chips are down and the players need a way to escape, they're going to be reaching for those Hearthstones. They're going to be trying to use all those escape methods. But to use it simply as a mechanic, uh, so you don't need to be a DM who controls a player... Uh, that, that that's my recommendation. I know Critical Role Mercer plays the other characters, more as in the background. Mm-hmm. But uh, even then, I, I just don't I don't agree with that. Having a DMPC is to me. I know a lot of people will do this, and yeah. like this is probably going to be an unpopular opinion. But having a DM play a character at the table is the kind of thing where like the DM wants to play as a player but is stuck being the DM so he right. gives himself a character to play at the table as right, well. Right, but right. the problem is you can't not be meta with that. You can't. You can't. No matter how hard you try. Even with normal NPCs it's very difficult to have all these characters in your mind and to be able to jump in and out of them. Mm-hmm. And to also be playing a character that travels with the PCs, adventures with them, fights with them. That's a very, very difficult thing to do. Yeah, and I mean, like, you really have to, like, partition out each character in your head, too. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're not thinking to yourself, like, okay, I, as a GM, mm-hmm. know that there's all these secrets that, you know, you could you could stumble across and right, that kind of thing. Right, right, And I, as a as a GM, want my players to, to do those things because mm-hmm. they're super awesome and I put a lot of work into mm-hmm. them. Oh, no, the players are leaving that area... I guess I'll have my ranger discover the secrets. That right, happens right. too much. And that's back to the whole, the main topic here is that detracts from the fun. Mm-hmm. Is now that reveal, that reward was almost stolen from the party. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's sullied. It's made dirty. Yeah. yeah, you still get the loot from yes. behind it, but it's not your loot. You didn't get it. Right, right. That The DMPC got it for you. Well, uh, let's continue our discussion in a second, but first we've got an internal sponsor who would like to give you a message. Let's talk about our active combat system, Axe Tax. DM Mike? In our game, we're not using the standard round-robin combat. We are using an active combat system we called Axe Tax that, depending on what you do, 
is going to move you in the initiative order. You never know who's going to be next. You never know what's going to happen in combat as the order is always changing and it depends on what you do. For example, if you move one square, that's going to take less time than casting a spell and that's going to change where you go in the initiative order. It's a fantastic system that we've been using for quite a while now. And so now we've got this thing available to the public. Mm -hmm. You can go and check it out at www.axe.tax. But yeah, you can go check it out there. It is mm -hmm. free to use for everybody. Yep. And if you want to help support the development of it and get some cool extra features on the way, there's a Patreon mm -hmm. link that is there as well. If you feel like your table needs a little bit of spice in its combat, if you feel like maybe your players aren't paying enough attention during the fights, if you feel like you just need that little extra something to make your combats that much more fun, bring your table around and pay, pay the, the axe tax. tax. <laughs> now that we're back, mm -hmm. let's talk about our next topic. Let's talk some personal experiences at the table. Mm -hmm. We've already mm -hmm. gone through a couple of these earlier, but I kind of feel like these are a lot of fun to just talk about and listen to. Yeah. So, Mike, yes. what in the campaign that we've got right now mm -hmm. is something that you totally thought we were going to do and then we didn't? Mm -hmm. There was a, a while back when the party was, they were tasked with finding an angel. After some investigation, they learned that this angel was sold by this member of a thieves guild, that he came into contact with this angel and, and kind of abducted him. And to break it down very quickly, they had to go into the Thieves' Guild and find this guy's ledger. And there was a contract in there that was going to give them clues to the next step. Um, I had laid out a fairly straightforward, just about like a five, six room dungeon. And the gimmick was, in this Thieves' Guild, you cannot give out your real name. They don't use names. Everybody that they have run into has had a title. has a title, a code, a code name. The gentleman that we were talking to was called The Happening. The Happening. And that is how they introduced themselves, that is how they presented themselves. They went through the starting puzzle, a tile puzzle, and they actually had a map for this place, which The Happening is dyslexic, so the so map was flipped. And they figured that out very quickly. Progressed through the opening puzzle, no problem. The alert has not been raised. I figured that you would either screw up the puzzle, you would go in guns a-blazing, or you would do it all stealthy. Mm -hmm. And you guys chose the stealth route. Right. And thus far, phenomenal. You're doing great. Yeah. You walk into the first room, you get to the chest you need, Yeah. you open it up, you get the ledger, you get the contract, and you even conned a guy, one of the Thieves members' guild, into opening a chest... And you even got some bonus loot. Yeah. You were you were done. We were so finished there. But you looked at the map that you had drawn, and you looked at how much you explored, and you saw, well, there's five more rooms in this place. Yep. <laughs> and I'm thinking in my head, they came in, they are on a time-sensitive mission, they need to recover this angel, they got the contract, we're good. They then proceed to systematically go room by room looking for everything they can they can that's not nailed down. And it's not until they get into the bar that things really went south. No, no. When our sorcerer Our dear sorcerer 
throws open the door to this bar, announcing his presence with fireworks. Bartender looks up and asks, what's your name? To which our sorcerer says, what, me? I'm Corey. No, I mean Dragontooth. You, and, and now that, that wasn't even the worst part, because that, <laughs> that made for a great story. They came in, they failed the stealth route, now they start blowing things up. They set a couple of guys on fire, they loot a few more rooms, and now they're back on track. On their way out, there's two remaining members of this guild, and they're sitting back watching the party, and one of the thieves actually approaches the party, and she says, we have eyes and ears everywhere. And now I'm thinking in my head, there are two witnesses. One of them specifically walks up to the party and calls them out and says, hey, we saw everything that you guys did. We know your faces. And now I'm thinking, we're going to roll initiative one more time. Mm -hmm. And the party walks out the door. <laughs> yeah, we, we left those two alive. It was looking at the notes that I had prepared they always manage to find the third option that isn't written down because I figured stealth and it's going to be good or it's alert time we got a clean house guns the whole time and they guns halfway <laughs> so now I got to look at my notes and I got to review everything and say okay of all the times that they have encountered this thieves guild and people from this thieves guild now I need to update all those NPCs with <laughs> this new information. Literally everything is going bad yeah. because of that. Yeah. Had we just cleaned that house mm -hmm. or, you know, gone in and taken the thing and left like we mm -hmm. had intended mm -hmm. to in the first place, we wouldn't be in like 85% of the trouble that we're in right now. Yeah. But now, instead, that Thieves Guild has got a 15,000 gold bounty on our party. Mm -hmm. Our main mystic ally is missing because of them. Mm -hmm. We have to be like really careful to not be killed in our sleep. Mm -hmm. We've had an ambush done on already. us once already. already. Yeah, I had option A and option B planned, and they chose option C, which then had this ripple effect on the entire campaign. Oh, yeah. It's those main choices that the party makes that you have to actually go back through all your notes and see, well, change everything. I got to change everything. And what you just found out is someone you thought you were allied with, Wine and uh, Sara. Wine, who is the, well, Atlas is the only one who even knows a little bit about him. Yeah. Because everyone else in the party came afterwards. And Atlas right. doesn't didn't really think he was allied with him so mm -hmm. much as just like not on his bad side. Right. Right, but Wine right. is the master of the Thieves Guild in the city of Sara, right. the big city that we all started in. So now I got to go back to day one and look at this. Well, what was the interaction with this NPC? What did this? Uh, what did the party do with this guy? Knowing this new information, how is that going to change the dynamics of this city? Mm -hmm. And it's been um, it's been interesting. Uh, but that is part of it. If you are willing to put in that little bit of effort to make that world change. You have these these moments where we can sit back and look at this, and when the the party gets back to the starting city, and everything has changed, and they start putting the pieces oh, together so radically too. They start putting the pieces together, and they start coming to that realization of, wow, we actually caused all of this. There was a there's a lot <laughs> of trouble we caused, a lot of lot of trouble. It's fun for the players. It's fun for the DM, and. If you can achieve that, you're doing something right. Most definitely. 
Oh, man. Like, I'm just, I keep thinking about, like, it's Tuesday when we're recording this right now. Yeah. And Sunday is when we get to play again. Yeah. And, like, I'm looking at the clock, like, okay, how long until it's Wednesday? <laughs> so that I can then think about how long it is till it's Thursday. And, like, you know that when your players are chomping at the bits to keep yeah. playing? Yeah, yeah. That your table is a good table. And in the end, I think Tokyo Tabletop is a pretty good series of, of stories tied together with the characters. It's been a lot of fun so far. It's been a whole lot of fun to run. It's It's been a lot of fun to record and to see ourselves and to see the interaction from the community. Mm -hmm. To grow as yeah. much as we have as well. Yeah, yeah. So, and of course, this is just going to be an offshoot of that, where mm -hmm. we're going to talk mm -hmm. about the things that have happened at the table, why things are the way that they are. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about other sorts of uh, topics related to tangential and, or tangential to and parallel to uh, tabletop role-playing games and that sort of stuff. Uh, we're going to see if we can't bring on a couple other people sometimes to have their input as well. Right, right. So I hope that you guys have enjoyed the first episode of Tokyo Table Talk. Stars willing, we'll be able to put one of these up every week. We're going to shoot for a weekly. We have a lot to talk about. We have a lot of topics to cover. Uh, we both would like to give our input on the standard, the standard topics of addition yeah. wars and feats and spells and character classes. And how rangers are garbage in 5th edition. Cough. Rangers are pretty trash. <laughs> I would rather play a ranger than a psionic, though. Yeah, yeah, because I think that's any, uh, a given. I think maybe that'll be our episode too. We'll talk about why psionics are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys very much for coming and joining us. You can find this podcast wherever you found it before. Mm -hmm. Continue doing that. If you're watching it or listening to it on YouTube, there's also the uh, like and subscribe buttons and all that other yes. things. Um, if we've managed to pull it off, maybe you can give us a good review on iTunes so that people mm -hmm, will be mm -hmm. uh, more easily able to find us. Yes, the more reviews, the more you can be found. It's got, it's got that classic Catch-22. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. But thank you guys very much again for, for coming and listening, and we hope that we will see you around again next episode. And yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Woo-hoo!